0: Podcasters, assemble!
1: Hi everyone, this is Becky, Troy's wife. Hi, I'm Jason, representing Drinkopedia Podcast. Hey
2: everyone, it's Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. This is Troidal Power from the Power Playthroughs Podcast.
3: Hi, this is Arjuna Gonzalez from Thoughts from the Level Editor. And this is... Iron Man 2.
0: Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2.
1: this is an adaptation of the famous demons in a bottle storyline for those who are only fans of the MCU or not aware of like the comics demons in a bottle was a famous storyline within Iron Man's uh, publication where he dealt with addiction uh, and kind of tried to overcome his like, alcohol addiction and what that really meant for him as an individual and him as a hero going forward and it was really seminal in the time of comics too because at the time comics don't talk about alcohol they don't talk about drugs they don't talk about sex you know and I think this was an attempt at it uh and I like respect that I guess it's not the best attempt but I definitely respect that they're they're hitting that with Tony Stark The scene starts with um, Tony Stark at the um, Tony Stark Expo, or Iron Man Expo, Um, and there's people everywhere, it's like he's famous, there's, you know, there's paparazzi, and there's people asking for his autographs, and he's, like, trying to fight his way through the crowd, just, you know, like a celebrity would be. Um, And then he's walking out the door, and this man turns around, like, standing in the middle of a empty area man turns around and he goes, Oh, Hey Larry. And it's Stanley. Um, and Stanley is like wearing a red button up shirt and suspenders and he's super cute. He doesn't say anything, but yeah. So that's Stanley's moment in Iron Man 2.
0: Tony Stark's big drive in this movie is that he has privatized world peace he sees himself as the guaranteed peacekeeper for the planet and is set on making sure no one else gets technology
2: similar to his iron man technology this film is okay but i think it really ran into script issues and how they were trying to deal with the demon in the bottle storyline where tony stark becomes an alcoholic but they don't really give it all the attention that they needed to because they also want to run off and also do sort of their version of the armor wars storyline where tony stark is going around the world and uh trying to take away his technology from all these other people that are misusing it there's uh some discussion about
0: uh, other countries that are trying to create that sort of technology and basically it's just not working for anybody else. Uh, the main person we get to know who's who's rivaling him or at least trying to rival him in this regard is Justin Hammer.
1: I think the main villain is Mickey Rourke as Whiplash. Uh, he's fine. The better villain in this movie is Justin Hammer, played by Sam Rockwell, who, if you don't know, Sam Rockwell, fantastic actor, nails just this idiot kind of poor man's version of Tony Stark. Fantastic. Love Sam Rockwell.
0: Uh, We meet Justin Hammer in that scene. We also get reintroduced to Rhodey. One of my favorite lines in the movie is is when uh, Roddy walks in, shot from behind, and uh, and then he turns and we get to see it's Don Cheadle in the role. Uh, we've lost Terrence Howard, but we've gained a Don Cheadle, and he says, "Yeah, it's me. I'm here. Get over it." I don't have that right line written down in front of me, but I think that might be exactly what it is. It's just it's a really nice moment because it's an acknowledgement uh, to the fans that that the actor has changed in a way that does not at all break the the fourth wall. I mean, I guess it, it kind of breaks the fourth wall, but it feels natural in that scene. If you didn't know why that line was funny, it's
2: just a totally appropriate line for that scene. There's also this thing of him saying that he's privatized world peace, and so there's this whole idea of him basically being kind of a terrorist... Right. Like he's not sanctioned by any government, but he's going around killing people because we know Iron Man kills people. And so that gives me pause.
3: My favorite line of dialogue is probably as Tony Stark is walking out of the Senate Armed Services Committee hearing and he says, I will serve this great nation at the pleasure of myself. And if there's one thing I've proven, it's that you can count on me to pleasure myself. I got a laugh out of that. It's good.
0: Meanwhile, in Russia, uh, there's a guy. He's really mad at Stark. We don't really know why. Um, this is this is Whiplash. He's he's an inventor. He's the son of an inventor or, or a scientist of some sort. You know how you know how comic book scientists be. If you're a scientist, you're just good at everything. But basically, his dad used to work with Howard Stark. He got kind of kicked off the project, and now uh, he's he's looking for revenge. So he builds himself his own little arc reactor, um, and uh, uses it to make big electrified whips.
3: I guess. My favorite villain moment is definitely the Elon Musk cameo. Just kidding.
0: So Whiplash finally confronts, uh, Tony Stark in Monaco, 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 uh, at the big race that happens there. Uh, the way he confronts him is by walking out onto the track and using his whips to just start ripping cars apart. I've seen some criticism levied at this scene where basically people are like, how did he know Tony was going to be driving the car? Uh, but honestly, I don't think he has to know that. Um, he's, you know, he's, his goal is to confront Iron Man. He knows Tony Stark's going to be at the race, so he's going to go just mess stuff up and assume that Iron Man's going to join the fray. Pepper Potts and Happy Hogan get a lot to do in this scene. They uh, they actually hop in a car and are driving Tony's Iron Man suit out to the track. Um, it's nice to get to see them uh, get involved. I-, I really like both characters. Um, they- they're never... They're never the standouts for me, but they're both
2: just a lot of fun. So it was cool to see them get to drive out onto the track. For most people, Iron Man 2, the whole film can be uh, summed up in the scene where he has the suitcase suit and that whole scene where he puts on the Iron Man armor out of the suitcase, which is also straight out of the comic books. And yes, I have to give it to them that that is also wonderful.
0: Ultimately, of course, Iron Man suits up and throws down with Whiplash, and um, he, he wins, and they arrest Whiplash, but, uh, but, but Iron Man kind of takes a beating in the process, and uh, afterwards we find out that that was basically Whiplash's goal. He knew he wasn't going to beat Iron Man, he just wanted to make him bleed.
3: Tony is talking to Ivan, and Ivan says, If you can make God bleed, then people will cease to believe in him, and there will be blood in the water, and the sharks will come. All I have to do is sit here and watch the world consume you. This is Ben. Arjuna tries to do a Russian accent. Thank you all for playing. This movie does a generally good job of introducing Ivan as a villain and giving us his backstory, but that one line of dialogue is really good at driving home the point that just because Tony Stark has this amazing high-tech suit doesn't mean that other people aren't trying to figure out how to make the same thing and take him down a notch. So he thinks he's
0: he's won at this point. Whiplash is done. That's that's the that's a, that's one of the things that's weird about this movie. He's done. He he's accomplished what he set out to do with the scene in Monaco. He's that's it. Mission
3: accomplished. My favorite action scene is probably the fight between Rhodey and Tony Stark at his mansion, uh, where they both have the suits on, and especially the part where they're both, like, I guess fist fighting, and Robot Rock by Daft Punk is playing in the background. I'm gonna get to this later, but while that fight sequence maybe doesn't have the best CG and VFX stuff going on, as, say, the last uh battle sequence in the movie uh it's it stands above the rest of them because of the choice of soundtrack in my opinion
1: Now this movie gets a really bad rap within the MC, like the overall MCU universe because it was the first time they were trying to interconnect everything, and it was basically seen as like a, a teaser for Avengers. This movie is just a teaser for Avengers, but you got to give it props for introducing Nick Fury, introducing Black Widow, pulling like bringing back Coulson. He's part of Shield, you know, like that's that's world building. One of the movies we're gonna have to take a hit, and it, it just so happened to be this movie.
0: I think the most successful thing about Iron Man 2 is its connections to the larger Marvel universe. Uh, you know, Nick Fury was first introduced in that end credit scene back in the first Iron Man movie, but this is where we really get to know him as an actual character. And on top of that, we get more of Coulson and we get more of, of uh, Natasha Romanoff. And then we even get like little uh, threads connecting to the next movie, Thor, when colson talks about getting uh reassigned to the southwest so it's it's really cool that it's it's doing a lot to establish that larger world uh, that's that's i think where this movie is most successful
3: tony stark is sitting in the randy's donuts statue the giant donut on top of the donut store and nick fury walks up and says sir i'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut
0: So Justin Hammer has been kind of introduced earlier in the movie as slimy, but he's, he's so mad at Tony and he, he really wants to uh, get a leg up on him. So he ends up breaking whiplash out of jail and bringing him over to work for him. Um, He's got some, uh, some suits, but they don't work properly. So uh, he hires whiplash on to, to basically rewrite the software for the suits, I think is the plan uh instead whiplash puts a drone head on the suit and says that drones are better uh there's a g- great little sequence here of of justin hammer being a terrible version of tony stark where he's got the drone head and he's like what's this this isn't a helmet i can't fit my head in this and he turns to his assistant he's like can you fit your head in this try and fit your head in this and the guy's like no i, I can't okay I can't. it's it's dumb it's it's funny but it's like they do a really good job of like Sam Rockwell is great at not succeeding at having Tony Stark's swagger, or at least not being charming while having that sort of swagger. He does a really good job with this role. Ultimately, those drones lead us into the big action scene at the end, uh, Justin Hammer is presenting at the Stark Expo. That's been going on in the background throughout the movie. And uh, in his presentation, he has uh, the drones pop up on stage. And in theory, what what Whiplash told him is that they can just salute. That's that's all they can do basically. Uh, it turns out that's not quite the case. They are actually fully armed, and uh, they just they just start blasting up the place, shooting everything. Um, Tony and War Machine show up. They work together to uh, to try to stop these drones take them all out and then of course we get a whiplash coming in and they get an epic standoff against him at the end probably my favorite moment in this action scene is a war machine who who has an iron man suit that's been all kitted out with tech from justin hammer fires this bunker buster missile that that justin hammer talked about how this was his it was his mona lisa it's the greatest thing he's ever made all this stuff uh he fires it at at whiplash and it it don't do nothing it's a dud (laughs) it doesn't work because justin hammer is terrible
1: my favorite action scene and and possibly one of my like top 10 favorite action scenes of the whole mcu i think iron man 2 gets a bad rap but the moment where iron man and war machine are back to back in like the cherry blossom forest and there's just a scene where they're like guns up back to back broing out cherry blossoms anime scene Ugh. Fantastic. Love you, Jon Favreau. Beautiful shot.
3: My favorite hero moment in the movie, well, it's really my favorite heroine moment, is after Hammer's robots have gone crazy and they're behind the stage trying to shut them down, and Black Widow and Pepper come in, and Black Widow like grabs Hammer and like slams him into the table to find out that Ivan is at the Hammer Industries building and Pepper comes in and calls the cops, and, like, it feels really good as, like, the culmination of this whole plot arc of Pepper kind of taking over from Tony Stark, because he's probably dying from his arc reactor and all of that, and, like, as many good moments as Iron Man has in the movie, I, that one just stuck out more to me. Pepper isn't just his assistant who takes out his trash for him, as she said at the start of the first movie, she's running all of Stark Industries now.
0: During the big battle uh, at the Stark Expo, uh, Natasha and Happy Hogan go off on, on a side mission to find Whiplash to uh, basically shut down the servers, and uh, this, <laughs> this leads to another fun, happy driving scene. Uh, this time, he's, he's driving to, to get there to the servers at uh, Hammer's facility. And while he's going, uh, Natasha's changing in the backseat. She's been undercover as, like, a secretary this whole episode. Or, uh, I guess she was something... Natalie I think probably was her name. Natalie from Legal. Uh, and then Tony hires her to be, like, an assistant and Pepper dislikes her and then learns to like her by the end. Uh, but it turns out she's she's Black Widow, so she changes into her, like, sleek, you know, spy outfit in the backseat. Uh, and then they get there and, uh, bust inside and happy starts fighting this guy in the lobby and she starts fighting another guy and then there's this amazing long action scene of her beating up like 12 dudes and it constantly cuts back to happy dealing with his one guy and it's weird because they like they're both they're both clearly doing their best and they're both succeeding but the the level of success is just so drastically different And it ends with Happy being like, I got him! And then looking ahead and there she is standing over like 12 unconscious people. It's really good.
3: I'm interested to hear the rest of Black Widow's backstory. I mean, she gets, you know, some introduction. We don't really hear a whole lot of her backstory. And from watching The Avengers, I know that more of that, or at least it seems like more of that, is explained in Thor because Loki has a whole bunch of lines talking about her background and he says, Thor told me about this. So that'll be cool to find out.
2: Overall, I feel like if they wanted to really do the sort of demon in the bottle type of storyline, they could have almost combined it with Iron Man 3 in in with some of his PTSD which I know is better suited to following the the battle of New York but I just feel like we didn't get as much out of it as we really wanted to
0: This movie is kind of hard to to pin down the details on I think a lot of that comes from the script being a little vague uh from what i've heard it sounds like there was a lot of improv on this set it sounds like it was probably a really fun movie to make but it's i don't know it just falls a little flat for me i don't dislike it really
3: As for anything else, I uh, this movie has the best soundtrack of the MCU Phase 1 movies that I've seen so far. Like, it doesn't just have AC/DC; it has Daft Punk. Oh my god, yes, if your movie has Daft Punk and AC/DC in the soundtrack, I don't care how bad it is, I'm gonna watch it at least once. Um, and if it had Modest Mouse in the soundtrack, I'd watch it three times.
1: This was John Favreau's last uh, film as director on the Iron Man series. You know, he started it all with Iron Man One as the director. He's Happy Hogan for those not in the know. Uh, yeah, he acts and directs. He's a he's a real double threat there. Uh, and I wish he could, he could have more. You know, not a lot of people love this movie, but I love John Favreau as a director. And you know, like I think he understands the Tony Stark character the most with the exception of Robert Downey Jr. of course and i and i and i love him and i miss him i hope he comes back to direct another mc movie soon
0: Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com, and learn how to contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as @castersassemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online.
3: Can you imagine Avengers Endgame with a Modest Mouse soundtrack? I mean, maybe it would just be like shit luck two or three times played throughout the movie, but... (laughs)
0: Podcasters Assemble probably will return in... Thor. Uh, a bird? You want a bird? I can get you a bird. I can get you ten birds. I, nothing's impossible. Are we, uh... Are we talking... Is this bird back in Russia?